0: You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. They say better late than never. Here we are. We're back on air in the studio via Zoom. We're doing it all. It's been that sort of week. Uh, the lockdown in Melbourne, of course, in Victoria uh, has been lifted. We'll wait and see just for how long. But we're back on air on FNR and uh, Josh Parrish in the studio, George Deneek uh, via Zoom and joining us Uh, who's been waiting so patiently from his brand-new digs in Dulwich Hill, the man himself, uh, the voice of football in this country, Simon Hill. Welcome, mate. How are you, guys? Good to be with you. We're okay. Uh, We hope you're safe. Can I just say the most exciting thing for me, uh, watching Ten's coverage of the Melbourne Cup, was the first ad after the race. And can I just say the most exciting thing I've seen... It was a major show of commitment by the network. And for those of you that missed it, if you, I mean, you know, the whole of Australia normally watches the uh, Melbourne Cup race. The minute the race finished and they did their, um, their obligatory wrap uh, with, the, with the jockey and the owners, they went straight to their commercial break and it featured what, Simon?
1: Featured the A-League ads, um, which is terrific. You know, that, that's the sort of exposure obviously, that we've been wanting as a sport on a free-to-air network, uh, particularly primetime, which this was, of course, been the Melbourne Cup. Uh, and that's what, you know, Channel 10, Network 10 and Paramount Plus will bring us over the coming months and the next uh, five years. So it's it's only a small part of a very big story, obviously. But, uh, yeah, it, it's it's terrific. And, um, you know, hopefully some of those people who saw the ads, who maybe, you know, were unaware, thought, oh, OK, I might tune into that.
0: My my wife was sitting alongside me, looked at me, and she said, now that's a statement. Mm. Yeah, well, it is. And,
1: you know, they've invested a lot of money. Um, and, you know, they're, they're mad keen, as I've said to you before. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of work to do uh, to get this game back going, you know, where we need it to be. Um, but all this stuff helps. And I think the fact that you've seen, you know, A-League players, uh, both men and women, featured on on other shows such as The Project, uh, and, and and whatnot. I, th- I think it's, again, it's, it's seeping into the mainstream consciousness, which is, you know, with the greatest respect, um, something that we've not had before. So uh, I think it's terrific. And as I say, it's only part of the story. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of hard work to be done elsewhere because, you know, unlike other sports, we're, we're not probably part of the mainstream culture here. So we've got to try and embed ourselves in that. Uh, and at the same time, you know, bring the bring the football fans along for the ride. They have to be the priority um, to get those people back in the stadiums and back watching on TV. Um,
0: but this all helps. And uh, can I just say, the imagery and the storytelling of that particular ad uh, for me tells the whole story. I spoke to Jeff Bullock a number of weeks back, and he said to me, "Mate, we're we're going young. We're going to catch the catch the next generation of football um, fans." And uh, this ad. Just covers it beautifully from one end of the spectrum to the other. And even the old guy who had to return the football in the ad does it beautifully, you know, straight through, kicks it right in the high diddle diddle and makes sure yeah, the kid got. That's me and you, George. Yeah. That's me and you, the old <laughs> but If I did that right ball. now, I'd pull a hammy. So stop, <laughs> stop that stuff. But quite serious, Josh, what did you make of it? Uh, again, f- f- more directed towards you and others. Uh, that was a serious statement from 10. And as uh, Simon alluded to, this is just the beginning. They're going to roll out a whole series of, of things that um, and strategies. And the FFA Cup, uh, November is going to be huge. And what a prep and a teaser for the A-League start uh, later in the year.
2: I thought it was great. I love the focus on fan culture and sort of match day experience and connecting to that. And also, I mean, just the universal experience of losing the ball over the fence. That's a, kind of a, a grassrootsy <laughs> idea. And we talk about trying to connect the grassroots to the top. I think sometimes symbolic stuff like that can be just as helpful as some of the larger reforms that the game's been after.
0: Totally agree.
2: But the FFA um, Cup, that's, that's the FFA Cup Simon, it's going
1: to be
0: a bit huge, isn't it? These, your commitment to FFA Cup.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, we started that already. Obviously, um, you know, I've, I've called a couple of those games. There's another one coming up um, on Saturday, Mount Druid Town against Wollongong Wolves. Um, and then there's a, there's a big game in your neck of the woods next next Friday, South Melbourne against Melbourne City, which, you know, is, is the sort of fixture really that the cup is all about. Um, you know, the storied uh, club fr- from the past, not, not that they're, you know, in history, they're, they're very much part of the present as well. Uh, and, and the money club of, of the A League at the moment. So, you know, the, the FFA Cup offers us such a great narrative. And obviously, uh, probably because of COVID to a large extent, these early rounds are going to run parallel to the start of the A League and give people a window on the MPL clubs as well, which I actually think is. I know Greg Griffin's had a bit of a whinge this week saying, oh, you know, it's unfair on the MPL teams having to play so far out of season. Well, yes, that's true. Um, but that's that's due to the pandemic as much as anything else. And the good thing about it is, because it's going to run concurrently with the A League, people are going to get a window on the MPL clubs as well uh, if they if they're you know tuned into football around that time. And that August, well, I think for the introduction of the National Second Division, which you know we we all hope is is not too far away. They keep talking about it. At some point, they've got to do it. Also, it's not going to happen. They can't just keep having, um, you know, g- committee chats. Uh, so at some point, hopefully, you know, that, that, that will uh, jump on board as well. And then we've got a proper connected pyramid. Um, and those grassroots that, um, you know, Josh was talking about will have a pathway up to the top level as well. That's, that's the plan anyway.
0: There's been a lot of positive press and a lot of good stories from around the world embracing young Josh uh, Cavallo. And he's yeah. uh, uh, putting his hand up and saying, I am who I am. And I love my sport and I want to play it A- encumbrance free or tension free. And um, it's been received uh, uh, amazingly well. And let's hope it continues to be. Uh, what have you made of it? Watching all the international clubs putting their hand up yeah. and saying, well done. Uh, well, it's, it's obviously,
1: it's something that probably shouldn't need to be done. Correct. Um, yep. You know, we're, we're at the point in time where uh, in 2021, it beggars belief that he's the only openly gay player in, in a top division of, of senior football around the world. But, uh, you know, I'm hoping that it will be the first of many and it will just become normalised. Yeah. Um, I, I thought it was courageous by, by Josh to come out because and everybody said, oh, we don't, you know, there's been some criticism. We don't need to know. It's between, you know, him and, and uh, his family or, or, or whoever. But the fact that it did cause such a reaction tells you exactly why it was such a big thing for him uh, to come out. And I spoke to Josh. I was fortunate enough, Adelaide United asked me to write the story for um, uh, channel 10. So, uh, you know, I I knew that this was coming a a few days before it happened. I did a a long interview with with Josh um, and and was hugely impressed. You know, it obviously taken a long time to think about whether or not to do this, Mm. Um, but it's clearly been a huge weight off his shoulders. And, you know, it's it's all those little things of, of being in a changing room. We, we all know that football changing rooms, you know, they're quite macho places. Mm. Um, he said it was all the banter of, you know, who you're seeing, who's the lucky girl, all that sort of stuff. And he felt he was having to avoid all those conversations and basically live a lie, which is not pleasant for anybody. No. So I, I think the fact that he's now, um, you know, open to be who he is and, and – I never thought he would have a problem in Australia, to be honest. Certainly not with his teammates, certainly not in the football community. Uh, you know, we're a very inclusive game. Um, and I hope, as I say, that that just opens the door a crack to uh, to allow others. Because the law of averages suggests that there must be many, many more. Oh, yeah. um, but at the moment, they don't feel confident enough to, to be able to come out and say, look, this is who I am because of the macho culture of the sport. So I think it's a very important thing that he's done. I applaud him for it. And also just on a personal level, I I didn't really know Josh until I did that long interview. with him. He's a super kid Um, and, you know, very funny and uh, very self-deprecating. And he's also a decent player as well. He had a very good year last year with Adelaide United. So credit to him and credit to the Reds as well, who obviously, you know, put their arms around him and said, uh, look, it's OK, we're with you, we'll support you and uh, we, you know we'll be there if there's any blowback so uh, terrific stuff great story
0: absolutely made even better by the fact that Carl Viet and uh, Ross Aloisi also also told the world just how they could see the weight lifting off his shoulders and then yeah. you have the likes of the powerhouses uh, like Barcelona and Liverpool, Jürgen Klopp saying what a smart young man and uh, must be a good footballer too, and it was just wonderful. And that's, that's resonated. And I and I take the point that you made, I think it will help an awful lot of people and it may well save some lives. Uh, it could do, George. Incredibly. It could do.
1: And, you know, the, the fact that those big characters, uh, Jürgen Klopp, Antoine Griezmann, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Gerard Piquet, Yeah, PK, Yeah. Uh, I, I, even even in the entertainment world, Ellen DeGeneres. Yeah. You know, who probably doesn't know Josh Cavallo from a bar of soap, um, but you know they, they they learned about the story and wanted to uh, to pass on their uh, their thoughts and and support. You know that that shows the global power of football. And you know we we, we might be a long way from the heartland in Europe, but. Um, We're still connected to it. And, you know, what Josh has done hopefully will have positive ramifications for years to come.
0: Speaking of things that are really getting us excited, uh, we're only weeks away now, mate, days away from uh, an A-League start and, of course, the FA Cup this weekend, FFA Cup this weekend and other uh, things that are happening behind the scenes. Uh, You must be very excited because the team now is is almost finalised. There will be a couple of other faces, I dare say. Is that right?
1: Uh, yes, I, I'm. I'm sure there will be one or two more that will will pop up over the next couple of weeks. I don't think I'm quite at liberty to say who they are, but no, that's fair be. enough.
0: That's fair enough. And um, yeah. uh, what have you made of the uh, the banter with um, uh, Daniel Sturridge and half of Twitter? Uh, you know, <laughs> he's in quarantine at the moment. He's had to rearrange his room about 50 times, but he thinks he's got it just about <laughs> where it needs to be, and he's still still can't understand why double vax and he, he has to he has to follow the obligatory 14-day quarantine period in WA. And then I, a lot of people have responded to him saying, that's not Australia, mate.
1: <laughs> yeah. Look, it's, you know, obviously I, I feel for him because he is double vaxxed and he's tested negative and I think yep. he's having two tests every day or yep. whatever it is. <laughs> I mean, it's a tough thing to have to do, but... You know, to be perfectly fair, there is a reason why uh, uh, WA has zero COVID, mm. and that's part of it. Um, you know, here in New South Wales, we were uh, a little bit more lax than that, and yeah. unfortunately had you know a massive outbreak thanks to one person, mm. um, which ended up costing people you know uh, their lives. So, mm. I get it. Um, at some point in the future, you know, we're all going to have to. I mean, we're we're starting to come out of this, and you're the same in Victoria. You know, we we, we uh, we've taken a policy decision that we've got to we've got to live with this. Yeah. Um, however, you know, we, we've got nearly ninety percent of people double vaxed in New South Wales, and I think you're at about eighty eighty two percent in Victoria. Mm. Mm. They're a bit behind that in in WA. I think it's about sixty five percent. So, you know, the, the quicker uh, we we get to the that seventy eighty percent vaxed across the country, um, then the quicker we can start opening up. But I, I do feel for Daniel. It must be hellish, frustrating. Um, but you know, you look at his homeland, my homeland as well. Yeah. Uh, the UK, mm. you know, they've had one hundred sixty-five thousand deaths from this, and they've got eighty percent people vaxed. So if you don't get this right, people die. Yeah. Um, you know, we're not we're not messing around here. Everybody says, oh, it's only the flu. Well, for no, a lot no, no, of people, it might be, but it's no, no. For, for others, it's not
0: look so we must we, have we to must take it seriously i was going to say we must also add the the fact that new south demographics and uh, the way the the city works in new south wales and sydney works and the same victoria the 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 people who do work the blue collar workers in new south wales and in victoria very different uh, set up in, in WA. they don't have that that uh, that density of living they don't have those numbers and I think they've been very fortunate in that regard, and, and, and I'm not, not saying anything untoward, but that's helped them enormously. They've, they've got lucky, but there's yeah. also reasons for that. New South Wales, huge numbers of people living close together, living, uh, you know, not two to a, in a home, but half a dozen and others, and that's normal. That's part of the cultural mix of modern Australia. But, uh, and, you know, there's no one reason why WA is free, there are many reasons, and yeah. and we've got to go down that pathway again. Can
2: I can I drag us away from three AW, George, and talk go. about Daniel as the player? Because Simon, um, it must be a, a thrill for you to have the prospect of calling him this season. Are you, are you already formulating the lines in your head for a, you know his first goal and so forth? Man City man, oh, ex Man City man,
0: he's got all the lines sorted. Yeah,
1: well, of course, he, he was a Man City player and, and Chelsea and Liverpool as well. He played for some big clubs. Uh, no, look, I can't say that I've got a line in my head as yet, but uh, <laughs> you know, when, when I first do a Perth game, um, I'd, I'd love to be over there for his debut. I mean, I, I've written today on the footyology website about the, you know, the plan to fill the park, which I think is a great initiative from Perth glory. Uh, we need more of that. And I'm sure a lot of people will be drawn you know, by Daniel Sturridge. It's not all about him. You know, Perth have got some other good players as well, notably Bruno Fauna, Roli, mm. um and one or two others. But, uh, yeah, of course, you know, marquee names, they help. I don't think they're the panacea.
0: No, um,
1: no. But occasionally the, the, the odd sugar hits here and there, I think can do wonders for a competition and just attracting those, uh, those peripheral fans who might not otherwise come on a regular basis. So I think they have a part to play. Uh, Daniel's a terrific player. Uh, I, you know, I hope his, his body's right and mm. I trust that his attitude is right. He's said all the right things so far. No reason to doubt him. Uh, and if he is fit and on form and he gets the right service, let's wow. uh, be honest, he'll score a bag full in, in the oh, you, A-League. So, uh, I'm looking forward to watching him and, um, you know, but I'm j- in general, I'm, I'm looking forward to the season starting.
0: Well, uh, by the way, by the way, uh, victory, Victory have looked like they've filled Amy Park for the opening game against Raw. What do you make of that? Terrific. Absolutely wow. brilliant. That's what we need.
1: We need fans back in the stadiums, packing mm-hmm. the joints out, making noise. We saw with the Matildas, even though there was only, what, 12 15,000 there inside uh, Combank Stadium against wow. Brazil, the noise that the fans made, the proper rectangular stadium, a good playing surface, cool conditions so we can, you know, play fast-paced football. That's the the ideal recipe for our league. We get those things right more often than not. And it's tricky because, you know, we know we share stadiums with the other codes and we know we play in summer where it tends to get very hot in Australia. So it's not always ideal. But more often than not, if we can get the, the conditions right for the fans to turn up and make the noise we know they can, And we've got such a good product, both men's and women's. Um, It's about showcasing it in the right way. Channel 10 and Paramount Plus will help to get it to that bigger audience. We've got to do our bit as a sport to ensure that we put our prettiest face on on a Saturday or Sunday or whenever it is.
0: Fantastic stuff.
1: Josh?
2: Yeah, I was just going to ask, Simon, there's been some major changes to the final structure this season, just announced, two-legged semifinals. Are you, yeah. are you pleased with that outcome? I mean, you know, the one-off games have produced quite a lot of drama, but uh, maybe gives the sides finishing first and second place a little bit more of a chance to assert themselves and not see their, their season fall away over the course of 90 minutes?
1: I much prefer the two-legged semifinals. To be honest, if I had my way. I would have all the finals over two legs. I I think that's fair. Uh, You get the home leg second if you finish higher up. You know, that's your advantage. Um, But, look, this this is a start. Um, I I think you're right that it rewards those teams that finish uh, higher up by giving them a a bit of a second chance in case they have an off day. I remember, I think, season 17-18, Sydney FC won the premiership by... Goodness knows how many points. A Melbourne victory, you know, beat them 3-2 in extra time. It was a terrific finals match. Um, but one one off game in Sydney were out, uh, which seemed, you know, a bit unfair at the time. But, you know, equally the year after, Vic- victory won it from finishing fourth on the ladder. Now, that can still happen. That's the beauty of fin- finals football. But I do think it should be weighted towards uh, the teams that finish, you know, one and two because that's your reward for finishing higher up. I'd like to see the return of the preliminary final, but, um, mm. yeah, people people don't seem to like that concept <laughs> here. But I, I, I like the old system of the finals, but there you go.
0: Yeah, yeah old habits die hard, Simon. <laughs> Mate, thank you once again for uh, making yourself available. Uh, good luck. I, I understand you've got a very busy uh, day uh, still running, and uh, we're going we're to uh, thank you very much for joining us. Wish you all the very best. And we're hearing you've got some important calling coming up uh, because – Uh, The Americans are coming down under late in November. And that's the first time in about 20 years we're going to see the might of American women's football uh, coming down under to take on the Aussies. Yeah, 21 years
1: uh, the last time they were here. Um, November the 27th in Sydney, November the 30th in Newcastle. Uh, Both games obviously be screened on Network 10. And before that, of course, we've got the big World Cup qualifier next next week. Uh, Soccer is against Saudi Arabia, which is going to be Absolutely huge. And, again, that's in Parramatta. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to getting it all, uh, you know, kicking off on a regular basis. Can't wait.
0: And and just before I let you go, um, Antonio Conte just taken over Tottenham.
1: Good move by Spurs. Uh, I I think Manchester United might have cause to regret that, to be honest, at some point. Look, he's a proven winner. Um, He's he's won titles at Chelsea. Chelsea titles with inter obviously he's got a bit of work to do with with Tottenham to get yep. them up to that level um but i i think that's a, a super important i do feel sorry for nuno espirito i think it's it's very harsh to get rid of a you know a, a coach after just uh 17 games but mm. uh, if you're going to get rid of him then bring in the best and
0: Conte uh, conte is, is certainly that thank you once again mate Cheers, guys, all of us. Terrific. The voice of the game, Simon Hill. And as he just touched on, the fact uh, that the A-League is weeks away and, more importantly, their coverage is just uh, building nicely. Thank you very much. We saw a tremendous new ad that will uh, seep into our consciousness uh, in no time. It really is a terrific ad about the the game and, more importantly, about your new home for the game, and that is both Channel 10 and Paramount+. Plus catch uh, catch, uh, more football updates on FNR's State of Our Football Nation when we come back right after this word. You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. This time of the week is the time we talk about the state of our football nation. And uh, on FNR, that is an opportunity for us to not only talk to the players, the administrators and the coaches, but also to some of the emerging stars. And we're, we're joined by a, a terrific young talent. He's actually been at Melbourne City since he was about 14, which is really hard to believe. He looks about 16. <laughs> he, he, he's he got that wonderful thing called the, the good DNA Josh Parrish, you might like to do the introductions.
2: We have Rafael Borges Rodriguez with us. Uh, Rafael, welcome to FNR and congratulations on signing your new contract.
3: Thank you very much. Thank you guys for having me. I'm really happy to be
2: here.
0: Rafael, I was just going to ju- jump in there for a moment. What in, what in your head got into you at 14 and said, you know what, I, I, want, it, I want to learn and I, and I want to see this opportunity through?
3: Uh, well i uh, ever since a young boy I wanted to be a, a, a football player so for me I was in the in the state teams in Adelaide and then I got an opportunity to come to Melbourne city on trial so I came here on trial and uh, I got in and they were asking me if I could move in. This was just when I was about to just Started high school, so me and my family had to make a decision and I kept bugging my parents. I was the one that wanted to move, really. Um, I didn't want to let this opportunity go away, so I kept bugging them, kept bugging them, asking them if they've made a decision yet. And then, yeah, we moved, I guess. And ever since then, it's been a long journey and here we are now. It's been a fantastic journey. Uh,
0: Josh?
3: Josh?
2: yeah i mean raphael tell us a little bit about you know your childhood uh following your your dad uh many a league fans will remember cristiano' his, uh prolific spell at adelaide united but uh where did you come into the picture tell us about your uh your
3: upbringing uh well I was, I was born in Holland Maastricht when my dad was was playing over there and then at the age of four in two thousand and eight we um we moved over to to adelaide and I went to school there, went to primary school there, Saint Francis. And then I did one year of um, of high school and through there I was just playing with the with the local clubs there until I got um picked up by the under thirteen state team. And then I went through the through the teams under thirteens, under fourteens, under fifteens, and then at the end where the age group finished, then I had the choice of whether I stay there another year or or come to Melbourne. And that's when we made the decision to come here to play for Melbourne City.
0: Do you speak Dutch?
3: Or is it nah, Dutch nah, no fact? Dutch, just, just Portuguese. So what, is, what, is the, what does the passport say? Well, I don't have a Dutch passport, only Brazilian and Australian, so... Ah, yeah. a
0: Brazilian one and a Portuguese one will get you get you far, my boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, who's the hardest person to convince? Is it
3: mum or is it dad? about moving over about doing anything Oh yeah see that's a tough one I've been I've been living with mum for for about four years now together so every everything that I really ask is is with mum so I'd say I'd say I only really ask mum stuff but yeah that can be a bit hard sometimes I mean you know yeah I'd say I'd say mum
0: okay uh, listen uh, Josh alluded to earlier. Uh, you've signed a new uh, deal with Melbourne City, which keeps you at the club uh, uh, a lot longer. Uh, what have you made of the last year? And what have you uh, made of some of the moves that the club has made with uh, Matthew Lecky and others coming into the the club and, of course, giving us that lift? Because, after all, we're now the champions. Uh, we're the hunted. And uh, they're going to come after us. And, of course, Victory have, have loaded their team up as they needed to after a pretty poor season. So it's going to start very early on. What's the feeling at the club? And, of course, the big move because you were there at Bandura as a 14-year-old, huh?
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've been coming through the, the youth teams of Melbourne City and one thing that I that I can say is it's a very competitive environment. And PK said at the end of last season that we're the hunted, but this year has changed it to we're the hunter because, um, you know, we're still going after them and we're still looking to do what we did last year. And with the boys we've brought in, you know, they're, they're good boys. Um, they've been nice to everyone and, you know, they're just, they're going to be big parts of our team and they're going to help us hopefully repeat what we did last year.
0: To give us a sense of the buzz at the club when we won.
3: Oh, it was an amazing feeling, amazing feeling. I mean, all the boys were just very happy and, you know, we we've been working for it for a whole year and the year before when we lost the grand final after, you know, after a difficult year with COVID and having to go away in the harbour. and, yeah, it was just, it wasn't, it wasn't a good feeling at all and we promised ourselves that we wouldn't feel that again and that's what we did. We went one step further and won it, so.
0: Josh?
2: And, uh... If people haven't seen you play before, I've seen a bit of you in the in the NPL and uh, your handful of appearances for the senior team as well. How would you describe your your playing style and what you bring to the table?
3: Uh, I'd say, well, I love love you know. I'd say that I'm a type of person who likes to dribble, you know, likes to score goals, create opportunities, and yeah, I mean. You know, bit of flair. You know, this this is the way I'm. Um, you know, brazilian create
0: club. havoc is what you're saying, correct? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. Uh,
0: that's terrific stuff. Uh, uh, tell me something um, of the of the group uh, that uh, you get to mix with now. What are what is the uh, watching? Say a Marco Tillio come in. Watching young uh, kolakowski and seeing them given their you know their opportunity to climb does that fill you with even more energy and more desire to to make a a, you know an impact when you get on
3: yeah yeah obviously I mean I just want to do well for my for my team and my teammates so Marco and Kolokowski and their opportunity you know I'm really happy for them and I know they deserve it. They're very hardworking boys, and you know, I wish I wish everyone all the best. So, for me, it's not really like you know any competition or anything. My my time will come when when I'm ready, and no one knows that better than the coach. So, I'll just keep working hard every game and every training, and giving my maximum. And you know, when the time is ready, it's ready.
0: Uh, Josh tells me you've grown a bit since you were 14. Yeah, how tall yeah. are you now?
3: I'm uh, about 178. I came to the club. I was around. 165, I'd say. So, yeah, it's it's been a grow, – grown a lot over the last four years. Fantastic Do you Fantastic it, feel like stuff. you're
2: growing into that frame and learning how to, you know, exert a physical advantage over defenders because, you you know, you didn't used to be that big? It seems like you've had a, a big growth spurt in the last year or two.
3: Yeah, yeah, I've, I've had a huge growth spurt in the last – Last year or two had a bit of growing pains and all that, but yeah, I mean, with with the experience part, I guess it'll it'll come after more more training and more playing with with the you know the older people. Because then you'll have to learn how to use your body and all that stuff. So all that stuff will just come with time, I guess. And I'm still pretty young, so.
0: And Josh says Josh says that because we've watched Conor Metcalf. Uh, follow a similar journey. Uh, We saw him as a bit of a gangly young fella uh, getting pushed off the ball now. He's uh, a very different uh, operation.
3: Yeah, yeah, he is, yeah.
2: Bounce off him in training, I bet. Uh, Raphael, <laughs> t- tell us about your, your skill set. So you, you alluded to it before, but you you've got a lot of one v one ability and you love taking on defenders. Just how much do they encourage that at City? And um, because sometimes you know with the dribblers on the flanks, the coach is always telling you to start again, get pass the ball back. Sometimes I hear uh, PK during games yelling at it at Tilio, start again. And he takes the defender <laughs> on anyway. What's the amount of freedom that you're you're given to to work your magic?
3: I mean, we're always told to express ourselves, but we also have to follow the game style, which which every team has and and every player has to follow. So, I mean, PK does give us give us that freedom to to you know use our abilities, but you know when the time is right. Because obviously, when it's you know three players on you, you're not going to go and try to take them all on. So, yeah, we we do get it. We do get freedom to you know a certain extent.
0: Uh, you play an FFA Cup game against uh, South Melbourne next week. Yeah, are you in the mix? Do we know?
3: Oh uh, no, I guess guess we'll see when when the time comes when when the game comes next week, and then we'll we'll see what happens.
0: What are the new digs like uh, in Casey?
3: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's still you know um, still renovation and all that stuff. So when it's ready, I think it's going to be an amazing facility, and I'm just happy that I'll be around to see it.
0: Very much so. And uh, the pitch, um, uh, is it as good as we're being told? They, they say the best pitch in the country may well be um, uh, Amy Park or, of course, the new pitch at uh, ComBank in Sydney. Um, what do you make of the pitch at Casey? Is it up there?
3: Yeah, it's very good training pitch. I mean, it's it's still not going to be our, our main training pitch. That one's getting built. But, you know, the, the pitch is, is good enough for us to train every day and, and play. So... I mean, it's doing the job.
0: Do you have a team, a favourite team in the EPL? Yeah, I'm.
3: I'm a Chelsea supporter.
0: <laughs> Ooh. So, what do you make of Antonio going to Spurs?
3: I mean, it's, it's a job for him. So, at the end of the day, it's um, it's it's football. He's not going to turn it down just because he used to manage at Chelsea. But you yeah. know. So yeah.
0: Uh, is, dad, is dad and your brother coming over soon or are you uh, heading, uh, waiting to head over there when you get an
3: opportunity? No, nah, no, nah, I think um, uh, they'll, they'll probably stay around there for now. And then, you know, when, when things are starting to Open set up a bit and, you know, all the COVID stuff is a bit settled, then we'll we'll start to make plans to see each other. But for now, yeah, I'm just going to stay like this.
0: Has mum taught you uh, anything about cooking and uh, looking after yourself?
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, mum mum teaches me, you know, how to cook some certain stuff and all that. But yeah, I've been, I've been just, just more observing. Just to be <laughs> to it comes That's
0: strategic, uh, Josh. Yeah. That,
2: that, that just means mum, mum's the cook and I yeah, that's enjoy it. everything yeah. that comes yeah, my yeah, way. That's it. <laughs> Fantastic. Josh? And what, what sort of feedback do you get from, from your dad on your, on your performances? I know there's a... Uh, a bit of separation in terms of the interstate border, but uh, I'm sure he's in touch with you after after games giving you feedback.
3: Yeah, yeah, I mean depends on depends on you know what happens that the first game I played with Victor Dad just told me you know it's your first game, just keep it simple and you know just just grow into the game. I mean you have nothing to prove. So he just told me to you know be confident and be confident in my abilities and just just keep it simple.
0: Has there been one game that you've really, really had a chance to enjoy?
3: Oh, the the my my favourite game that I've played for the club would probably come back in whale against Perth, where we um we drew we drew six all but six yeah. all yeah, yeah. Well, had the, had they
0: sent the the goalkeepers off?
3: <laughs> yeah yeah it was, it was a crazy game, but it was it was one that that I looked back on and I'm like, yeah that, that was a very good game. It was my first ever NYL game. So yeah, it was one that I, that I looked back on and one that I was like, yeah, that was one of my favorite city games that I've played in.
0: Fantastic stuff. Have you seen the new ad for the uh, for the A league and and for football on channel 10? No, nah, no,
3: nah, I, I haven't. seen it yet. No. Check
0: it out, check it out. It's it's magnificent, and uh, it'll be a forerunner of what they're going to be running. Yeah. And it tells you that they're serious about it. And you couldn't be coming into the game at a, at a more exciting time, uh, Rafa, because at the end of the day, it's all before you. What as your father and I'm sure mother, mum has told you. Uh, it's a, it's about understanding, and as you said, PK said, you know, take your time finesse and feel your way and the game of course will come to you and you'll be able to showcase your talents but you've got it all before you my friend it's a fabulous we're very excited for you at least i am i I don't know about the melbourne victory man over there but um i think it's a an extremely exciting time in your career you've you've shown a, a great measure of focus and commitment already at the at the tender age of 14 to say i want a professional career and you've managed to convince or con mum and dad to to let you come, and it's, it's tremendous. Um, I, I love it. I have a, f- a friend of ours that I've been watching since he was about 12, and he's in Britain, sorry, he's in Paris at the moment, and he's, he's got his whole family, and he wants to be the next Australian Formula 1 driver, and he's just finished F4, that is Formula 4, and he's finished second. Now, second of 40 international youngsters... And he's finished number two, just behind the number one leader. So it tells you um, he's courageous, he's focused, and he knows where he's going. And uh, it sounds like you may well be on the same pathway. Uh, I wish you every success.
3: Thank you very much.
0: And I hope it's the first of many interviews we do with you over the next few years.
2: Yeah. Josh, anything you want to ask him before we let him go? Well, one more question. Uh, Go on. playing some pretty regular football in uh, in the MPL side uh, this season, before the uh, season, unfortunately, was uh, prematurely suspended. And you're coming up against an NPL side again uh, in the FFA Cup, vying for selection there for the first team. What have you learned in comparison to the NYL games that you've played, playing against, you know, semi-pros, fully grown men, who mm. I think coming up against the A-League lads, they tend to lift a little bit and they tend to up <laughs> the physicality a little bit because... They they seem to think that uh, intimidation is is maybe the best tactic. Uh, what have you learned with uh, with how to deal with that stuff?
3: Yeah, and NPL and compared to when you play in Wales, completely different. I mean, when you play in NPL, it's all kicking and you know it's so you've just got to move the ball faster. Really, when you play NPL, and you know try not to get in, in caught in the way of someone because or else could end bad for you. But yeah, you just have to move quicker and. Yeah, you gotta got to hold your own ground because, or else they come and step all over you and you get intimidated and you can't play your own game. I, well, remember, we saw uh, own.
2: I remember a John. game I was watching you, I think it was against Preston uh, this season, where uh, you certainly stood your ground there and uh, a duel with the fullback.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, you, you can't let him, you know, step all over you. So, I mean, yep, have, have to be, have to give it back, but, you know, have, also have to be respectful. You can't do anything stupid, mm-hmm. but. He also can't back down from a challenger or, you know, 50-50.
0: And uh, we saw young Stefan Kolakowski do a similar sort of thing, uh, especially uh, in those important games towards the end of the season. Uh, they were coming after him and he stood firm. And uh, I think it was yeah. against Wellington that they decided that they had to take a, a few licks. But he he copped it and he got a chance to uh, return the favour late in <laughs> the game. And uh, importantly, City got the result and they needed and kept this this title challenge on to the very end, which was seriously exciting. Yeah,
2: Josh. Yeah, I think we'll leave it there, Rafa. I'm sure you're uh, you're going to stand your ground if you uh, come into this uh, FFA Cup fixture coming up. Uh, all the best with the season to come and uh, and the South Melbourne game. I'm sure you, we'll speak to you again sometime soon.
3: Thank you very much. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Fantastic right. stuff. A
2: pleasure is all ours. Uh,
0: a young a young man who's uh, made a commitment to. Um, to have a football future, and we wish him every success. Rafael Borges Rodriguez, uh, a young man with uh, great um, uh, DNA and a huge responsibility. And I think, though, deep down, Josh, he's got that fire that's going to get him through.
2: I think we can sense that. George, we'll take one more break and uh, come back with a bit of news.
0: You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on
2: FNR. Back to the final time on State of Our Football Nation this evening. Uh, Know if you know history for the rest of 2021. If you missed the announcement on social media, uh, Paul Mavridis has has paused the show until next year as he he searches for a new co-host. But uh, hopefully we'll hear from them soon. Uh, George, we've got a new suite of programs coming up uh, next week, including the return of uh, a certain club you may have seen on air for uh, for a few weeks last season. Very exciting. So we'll just tease that for now. But keep an eye out for uh, on the FNR socials for uh, announcements and new programs now that we're coming back into the studio. Before we go, George, I wanted to talk a little bit about European football and about the Champions League this week because uh, that man Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, <laughs> seemingly against all odds and against all logic, continues to uh, rescue Manchester United from... Uh, More and more desperate situations, this time uh, with injury time equalisers in both the first and second half of yesterday's Champions League game in Bergamo against Atalanta. Uh, George, what have you made of the sort of chaos uh, of Manchester United this season?
0: Uh, Can I just say uh, from my perspective, um, I'm just wondering, is this going to be a, a horror moment for the club? You remember the hype and the hoopla mm. when Ronaldo was coming, and then it pl- eventually played that that first game, and everyone said, uh, "Wonderful! This is it. This is going to be the most breathtaking uh, and uh, a- amazing pickup up preseason." And here we go. And since then, there have been a number of poor results for the club. It seems it can't seem to get out of a nut. This second or gear, it doesn't seem to have a third or fourth gear. And we saw two moments in that game from a from a guy who's made himself the ultimate poacher. Now I'm just wondering: is he delaying the the inevitable? In other words, will they crash, or can he sustain them until they they come to understand their, their roles? And we start seeing a more consistent uh, offering from all of them right across the board. I'm thinking, Pogba. We're hearing more and more is finished and will be leaving. Um, uh, and and these days, that sort of talk is is detrimental to everybody, especially change rooms. Mm. Is this hoop? Is it is it hoopla? Is it hype? Or is it just noise? Or is or is Manchester United, from your perspective, just an accident waiting to happen?
2: I think Ronaldo is. Uh delaying the inevitable in more ways than one, George. Uh, by continuing to sort of prop up the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer regime with these last-ditch rescue efforts, it seems to delay the inevitability of that that uh, relationship terminating uh, because I think it's going to happen sooner rather than later. You know, maybe it's been delayed further by Antonio Conte going to Spurs and no longer being on the market as, uh, as a mercenary coach, as Gavin, Gary Neville might say, coming in to save the day. Uh, but so, it also, so, it's not just so, by his performances, Cristiano, but it's also, uh, according to a report I read in The Athletic, off the pitch, his, uh, quote-unquote, leadership has been uh, very important in, in maintaining the dressing room support for, for Solskjaer. And I think my, maybe uh, part of the reason is that Solskjaer has a habit of indulging Ronaldo and not asking him to do the kinds of things that would be expected of uh, a modern forward in the modern game. And <laughs> You know, it's. I think um, it's it's borne out by the stats that he doesn't do any defensive work. And when you've got Pogba in there as well, another sort of slightly indulgent player who's difficult to accommodate defensively, yeah. I, I think it starts to look a little bit unbalanced.
0: How much defensive work does Slatan Ibrahimović do? <laughs>
2: um, not too much, but uh, he doesn't always start for AC Milan. He's got spells out of the team, injured and so forth. And often in uh, bigger games, they will... Leave him on the bench and, and start someone like Ante Rebic up front, a vastly less gifted player, but somebody who does a lot of running off the ball and, and presses hard. And Cristiano Ronaldo, I think, does you know maybe twenty five percent of the uh, you know high intensity sprints and, and presses of uh, the average Premier League forward. I saw. So uh,
0: you know what you know what's really interesting uh, listening to Cristiano speaking. Uh, about his role. And I heard an interview only recently where he said, I'm not the player I was. I now know what I have to do and what I can do. And I pick and choose the moments. And when I think I can strike, when I think I can make a difference, I try. And incredibly, as you said, two moments in that game against Atalanta, uh, Tony Jones, by the way, struggles between Atlanta and <laughs> Atalanta, but we forgive him because it, you know it's that sort of modern world now where the names and the and the brands are uh, uh, are more exotic than they've ever been. <laughs> but uh, Atalanta should have won that game; should have won that game.
2: Absolutely.
0: And there would have been an inordinate uh, an amount of noise. Saying Oli, 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 you know Spurs you. Um, I'm just wondering though, he he is loved by the Glazers, he's loved by the fans. He was their super sub. Can he become their super coach? Uh,
2: I think he's had a long time in charge. One of the longest. Some are late developers. (laughs) <laughs> Josh,
0: people are late developers. Some yeah. I mean, are late developers. How many,
2: how many second, third, fourth, fifth chances is Solskjaer going to get in this position? I mean, if you look around the league and you ask any other fan yep. uh, if they'd like to see Ole stay in the job, they say absolutely. We're delighted. To the fact that, <laughs> you know We've got Guardiola or Klopp and yeah, Manchester United have an incredibly inexperienced coach who seems completely out of his depth. I think that tells you all you need to know.
0: So who do you bring in? All right, let's 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 be brave, let's be bold, let's be Nostradamus. If we could change him next week after a, a, a couple of poor results, um, who is he? Who who comes in and takes over and makes Manchester United great again? And don't say Donald Trump.
2: <laughs> uh, certainly not. Um, I would have said Antonio Conte until Monday, until Spurs snapped him up with a, an extraordinary, you know, 15 million euro a year contract or whatever it was. Because mm, mm. uh, he's, he's somebody who gets pretty much instant results and has a very strictly defined game plan. I think that's what Manchester United have been lacking. You know, the formation changes, the team changes week week You never back. quite know what you're going to expect. Um, it's, it's the endless, uh, variety show with, with Ole, which where the the wind's blowing. And I, I, I think, um, of the available coaches probably, uh, you know, the options are, are thin on the ground now. I think they would have to go out and, and potentially pay a severance fee to get somebody like an Eric Ten Hag to come in and, and have a more, um, thought out and fleshed out idea of play, but with such big personalities in the team and players who by their very presence define the game plan, I think it's difficult to transform, um, you know, a Ronaldo or a Pogba and tell them to play in an entirely different way off the bat. Mm. So it might, it might need to be a very strong personality who's willing to leave these guys on the bench if they don't, you know, carry out their, their roles and responsibilities.
0: Um, I'm just thinking at this precise moment that um, if of the, um, of the coaches out there, we saw only this morning Unai Emery, who's at Villarreal, saying, no, no, I'm not going to take the new job at Newcastle, despite the fact they've thrown money and they've given me a number of assurances. What does that tell you? That, that the job at the moment at Newcastle is going to be seriously huge um, and 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 yet you think you can find someone strong and tough t- to come in and take over Manchester United. I'm thinking if you're not game to take Newcastle, well, they'll let you do anything and everything, right? Who's going to be brave enough to say, I can do something at Manchester United that's worthy? Because Mourinho had a go and was tossed out. Yeah. Uh, uh, the former Dutch coach... Uh, Um, who was as tough as anything, was probably too tough for Manchester United, at least for the management. Ed Woodward has an awful lot to answer for, does he not?
2: Yeah, I think the Mourinho appointment was probably uh, misguided. It seemed to be motivated by the fact that Guardiola was at City, therefore you know Manchester United had to get his sort of direct counterpart. (laughs) He's the the opposite, the yin and yang. Um, But whereas you could see by his prior... Uh, stints that his career trajectory was sort of going downhill um, but you know the fact that Manchester United doesn't have a sporting director and the footballing decisions are made by with respect a bunch of bankers I think is has a lot to do with the fact that their their signings and their managerial appointments don't seem to have don't seem to line up so maybe the first uh, task is to get a sporting director in who can assess the situation and, and plan for the future. And maybe that means Ollie stays in charge until the end of the season. Maybe that means a caretaker coach. Uh, but I think maybe a proper uh, overhaul of, you know, the front office is in order before you even get to the coaching appointment.
0: Um, it's almost time for us to wrap up. Um, I've just got word though that uh, in about 30 minutes we can do Daniel Sturridge.
2: Oh, Hello. Okay.
0: So uh, we might have to review our, our, our strategy and, uh, <laughs> and uh, record that interview and allow mm. us to drop it in when we can.
2: Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll sort that out uh, after the show, George. Uh, All it'll right. be exciting to speak to Daniel. He's been uh, you know, a content machine even in cannot, quarantine. So.
0: Cannot wait to hear what he has to say um, about the, uh, the, the rooms and the, the hotel and the conveniences or inconveniences that he's had to endure <laughs> over the past few days. Uh, mate, catch you next time and I hope it's real soon (laughs) (laughs) thanks George, see ya all the best, bye you're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR